It's Fox Top 5, the podcast where the hosts always agree to disagree. This week, former South Carolina congressman and host of the Trey Gowdy podcast, Trey Gowdy. We actually had a lot of fun, uh, that little group of us that sat over there together, and it really had nothing to do with the legislation. And former Utah congressman and Fox News contributor, Jason Chaffetz. I'm really surprised we actually didn't get in more trouble. Come together to share their top five favorite memories from Congress. Here are this week's hosts, Trey and Jason. Welcome to Fox Top 5. I'm Trey Gowdy, a former congressman from South Carolina and host of the Trey Gowdy podcast. And today I'm joined by my friend and fellow former congressman Jason Chaffetz, who is also a Fox News contributor, although I am reluctant to use the word contributor for Jason. I actually can't remember the last time he actually contributed anything during an interview that I was what that I was watching. So let's go with Fox News Time Slayer. Jason Chaffetz. Welcome, Jason. Hey, well, thank you, Trey. That's the kind of introduction I expected from you. And I I do appreciate that the script was written out in advance saying my friend and those types of things. So thank you. I'm so thrilled to be with you today. You are my friend, but that doesn't keep me from being objective about uh, your recent segments on Fox News. Yeah, you know, for the folks listening at home, we hope to squeeze this into a reasonable time period. Trey Gowdy has... (laughs) He has a he has a tendency to take sort of a one minute thought and like squeeze it into five minutes. So hopefully we can get this in. Oh, the irony of you saying that is unfortunately lost on the listener, but not lost on me. Every week on this podcast, Fox hosts, reporters, and personalities get together to share their top five of any given topic. Congress is something you hear a lot about if you watch the news or read the paper, and you probably have your own idea of what it's like uh, to work in Congress and walk the the marble floors and work inside the halls of the Capitol building. We're going to try to give you an idea of what it's like from the inside when we were in the house together. And we are going to share our top five favorite memories from Congress. And I know, Jason, I mean, I've got a million and five, but uh, we'll try to do five, not necessarily in uh, the order in which they strike us, but try to limit it to five because I do have a plane to catch Thursday. Number five. Well, very good. I'll, I'll kick it off by saying, I, I got to tell you, it's an honor and a privilege to be in Congress. It's terribly frustrating because you often don't get a whole lot done. You feel like you're spinning the wheels. I like to tell people it's a it's exhausting doing nothing all day. Um, but at the same time, we were doing a lot of good work. And it's a lot like being on a football team because there's some really good people like like you, Trey, and Tim Scott, and John Ratcliffe, and Christy Nome, And you can keep going down the list of people who really pour their heart and souls into it. And I, I walk away from the eight and a half years in Congress, and I think one of my top experiences is interacting with those absolutely amazing people that I learned a lot from, friendships that I gained, and um, battles that we made were supposed to be there to debate the issues. And maybe there wasn't nearly as much debating as I'd like there to be, but I gotta tell you, that whole experience was right there at the top of my list. So did you cram all five of yours into one, or or is that like your, your fifth most favorite recollection? Well, I had to force rank them. I've got like 15 on my list, so I kind of meshed a couple in there together. 
Okay, well, I'm actually going to follow the instructions, and I'm going to go number five. See if you disagree with this. The State of the Union addresses. There was an electricity on the hill and especially on the floor that night, and it was always humorous watching who would camp out for hours to get a seat on the aisle so they could whisper something to President Obama or President Trump that would have no lasting impact on either one. I, uh, as you probably recall, I sat with Tim for all of those State of the Union addresses, including when he went to the Senate. They would let us sit together. And the, the dominant topic of conversation between me and Tim during the State of the Union was this. Uh, do you think we should stand up? Uh, I'm actually tired. Well, if we don't stand up, they're going to say we don't love jobs or we don't love children or whatever the president just mentioned. So we would sit there and discuss whether or not we should stand up while everybody else or when we would clap. I'd love to tell you we were taking notes on the substance of it, but 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 we weren't. Yeah, that's the most exercise I get all week is getting up and up and down out of my chair. Um, I, that's that's a pretty good one. And I loved watching John Boehner sitting there just knowing how desperately he wanted to smoke. We were just thinking, oh, that poor guy's got to sit up there and he all he wants to do is drag on that cigarette. That's all he really wanted, wanted to, to smoke. Do. But we were also afraid he was going to start crying, like during the economic report. <laughs> not the sad part, but here are the jobs numbers. I mean, it did not take much for John Boehner to start crying. I remember once, about a half hour before Barack Obama was to come out, the teleprompter, for no reason, there was nobody close to it, all of a sudden just started slowly tipping and fell over and crashed and broke. And these guys came running out to fix it. We could do a whole podcast on that. We better move to number four, Trey. Number four. All right, what's number four for you? I really loved the hearings. It takes a lot to put together those hearings. So everything from the IRS to Benghazi to the FBI, Department of Justice, and probably my favorite, the thing I felt like I moved the meter on the most and changed the most was the investigation into the Secret Service. I loved it because it was truly bipartisan. We were leading the way. Um, the White House was reluctant to know what was going on, and it really affected a change that I, I think is still in place and that was desperately needed. Well, I remember that investigation, JC, and the most amazing part of that investigation from my standpoint was that you actually got a positive article out of the Washington Post for it, which I think is the sixth sign of the apocalypse for a Republican <laughs> chairperson to get a positive article in the Washington Post. Yeah, that, um, but you know, we were doing it for all the right reasons and it desperately needed to be done. And they had, they had to go through two Secret Service directors before they finally got it right. And there's some scary stuff that wasn't happening at the Secret Service that it was a lack of oversight. And and anyway, I think they've made the changes and the country's better for it. All right, my number four, I'm gonna to get to hearings in a minute, but my number four, you know, to give the listener an idea, when we nominate leadership, it's just Republicans in the room. It's kind of like a primary. And we go in there and, and kind of, you know, it's not a smoke-filled room, but you know, we have the right to pick who we want to be our majority leader and our whip. And if you're in the majority, you have the right to pick the speaker. Uh, so giving the nominating speeches for John Boehner and Paul Ryan is among the most memorable things that I did there. The audience is so different from the typical audience that we address as members of Congress. I mean, we're not back home talking to constituents. We're not on the floor. You're just talking to your colleagues and you have to, you feel a 
a certain pressure to do a good job for whoever asks you to nominate them and you have to do it in three minutes. So I, I remember I spent a lot of time. I mean, to give a 30 minute speech is not that tough, but to give a three minute speech on something as important as the Speaker of the House, um, I'll always appreciate the fact that Speaker Boehner and Speaker Ryan uh, let me do that for them. And, and those will be among the most memorable uh, days for me, just when we went back into conference and, uh, and nominated our well, slate of leaders. Well, you did an amazing job. I mean, especially when they were running unopposed, it was very <laughs> compelling, the speech you gave. So I, it, it really was. Next thing I know, we were talking about Greek mythology. Most people don't know this, but like <laughs> Trey majored in Greek mythology. We're talking about Hades or Zeus or somebody out there. I don't know. <laughs> it was, it really was a good speech. I said well, that in all sincerity. Not good yeah. enough for you to remember it. Uh, there was a little bit from Sparta in there, but it wasn't yeah, like Sparta. I was talking about Apollo or Zeus. I just still can't figure out why you had to give a speech when a guy's running on a post, but right, <laughs> it was a memorable moment. Those are the easiest nominating speeches to give when you're guaranteed to win. Yeah, you Although, got a standing ovation, and it was great. I, I, I was there. Although, maybe they'll have us back to give our worst five memories and uh, the aftermath of voting for Speaker Boehner when I went back home <laughs> would be on that list. The countdown continues after this. This is Jimmy Fallon inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Number three. I want to move to hearings. I'll go on number three first, and then you go, okay? You mentioned hearings. Fair enough. The high-profile hearings... Yeah, everybody got a chance to see those on television. But the preparation we did for the hearings and then some of the more obscure hearings. I mean, J.C., I remember getting together with you and Jordan and Meadows and Walker and Ratcliffe and seeing who wanted to cover what. And then once they hear, I mean, and that's important because, I mean, we're all in the room saying, okay, I go eight, but I want to pursue this line of questioning. Well, I go fourth and I'm going to pursue that. And what I remember the most is we all would share with great candor and honesty and trust what we plan to go over and then listening to you take all of our good ideas and all questions because you went before we went that that is one of my favorite memories is me sitting there looking at Jordan thinking I I thought we were going to do that when did Jason decide to cover every single important topic and before i give you a chance to respond these boring hearings that we would have where there was no media really and no audience there was a time one of our colleagues accused the president of spending too much time at key largo so i went and found the song key largo on my phone and i played it for everyone and no one could figure out why we were laughing in the middle of a you know bill marking a patent litigation but we actually had a lot of fun, uh, that little group of us that sat over there together, and it really had nothing to do with the legislation or the hearing. We were just, you remember the, the I won't call his I name, there was, there was a guy sitting behind us, I will not call his name, but you and Radcliffe would ask me to interpret what he had just said, because even though he was using English, we had absolutely no idea what our colleague had just said. And I remember one time what I wrote down was, Purple tricycle, thin crust, David Hume, 
and existential lingerie football. I remember that was what I thought he was getting at because I had absolutely no clue what he was talking about. I'm really surprised we actually didn't get in more trouble because it was the humor that was going on there during the hearings was, or the markups, particularly the markup, markups would go sometimes for days. And I still do remember that when you and me and John Ratcliffe are sitting there and all of a sudden from your phone with the volume at just the right level came that song, Key Largo. I mean, sailing I mean, away to Key Largo. God forbid, please don't sing it. I'm not going to sing it. Okay. But that was truly one of the funniest moments ever. We could do hours worth of podcasts and stuff that was going on like that. We were paying attention, I promise. I wasn't. But, <laughs> I so wasn't. On my list, on my list, because we got to keep this thing going, I'll, I'll do this along with the hearings. When I became the chairman of the oversight committee, um, he'd look down the end of the bench and Trey wouldn't quite be there yet. I'd get going and then all of a sudden I'd hear this, Mr. Chairman, and we're on the same team, Trey and I. We're looking down the aisle and he'd say, parliamentary inquiry. And you know, as chairman, once you recognize somebody, you have to let them speak to the question. <laughs> he would drone on about something and then say, and I'd say, well, now what's the parliamentary inquiry here? Oh, that happened several times. It was quite funny. <laughs> I like to talk to you, and uh, and I didn't get enough talking to you at dinner, so I would want to engage in a colloquy with you. Uh, it just happened to be while you were chairing a committee hearing at the time. That's all it was. I just missed you. I spent more time with you than my wife. We were on <laughs> judiciary. We were on oversight. We'd have dinner. I'd see you in the gym in the morning, and you'd wish... interrupt me by saying... <laughs> Mr. Chairman, <laughs> parliamentary inquiry. It was a great moment. I wish you would find another way to phrase how much time we spent around each other other than saying you spent more time with me than you did your wife. I, 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 I just wish you would find another time. way of saying it wasn't that. Quality time, it was just flat out clock moving time. Number two. All right, what was number two on your list? Um, well, you touched on it. Um, our dinners. Um, it was always. Always Tim Scott, who I think everyone knows is like a brother to me, and he will ultimately preach my funeral, although I hope it's not anytime soon. But um, Tim was always there. You were always there while you were in the house. Of course, you left a little bit before I did. Mia Love, Mark Walker, Marco Rubio, who, by the way, and people will find this stunning. They find it stunning when I say it back home, is one of the funniest human beings on the face of the earth. Uh, McCarthy, Peter Welch, Mick, Tulsi, Joey, um, just how fun those dinners were. And then, JC, the walk back to the office, whether it was with you while you were there or whether it was with McCarthy uh, when you left. You know, I sat there and thought, we're walking on flat ground. Why is a former college football player out of breath walking back to our office? <laughs> but every single night we would walk back and we would have to stop. I mean, it's not like we were walking miles and miles. It was it was a little bit of a hike, but not not enough to be exhausted and have to stop and take a break. But just the dinners we had and then the walks back, because you and I both slept in our offices, the walk back to our offices afterwards um you know when terry asked me when my wife asked me do you miss it i don't miss it but i miss y'all yeah i think that's uh i think that's right i i mean you know we loved our families but 
that that quality time if you're gonna be away from your wife and kids who you happen to love and adore and want to be with if you're gonna have to be away might as well be with some good quality people like all those people you just mentioned those are those are those really are some of my my fondest uh memories along the way my number two i had on the list was just the whole start of the benghazi investigation because here we had four dead Americans. I was the chairman of a subcommittee on national security. Next thing I knew, I you know was meeting with a national guardsman who had been there just before the attack and then told our chairman that I needed to go to Benghazi. They wouldn't let me into Benghazi, so we flew into Tripoli. And I just know that the beginning of what we were exposing and what we were doing and getting my butt on an airplane not the safest thing i'd ever done and flying into tripoli was just one of the most surreal moments but one of those things that had to be done and i'm just so glad that i did it and it's a fascinating time and experience i didn't expect to ever come across that or do that and the next thing i knew then you are there you are with a four-star general in tripoli talking to people who were in the middle of a firefight that you know unfortunately killed four americans it was an amazing experience Jesse, you were um, you were interested in what happened in Libya. Uh, I would say you and Devin, I would put at the top of the list. But yeah, I mean, to to put your money where your mouth is and actually fly over there, and you know, we'll save it for another conversation. I desperately, desperately, desperately wanted you on the on the committee, and I hate it got politicized, but everything in that town does. Um, you know, I think the. Those, uh, the family members of those that were killed and, and quite frankly, uh, those that survived, uh, the guys that survived just were entitled to answers to their questions um, in an apolitical way. And um, I just hate politics as, as what it is. But uh, you're right. You were number one. You were the first one on that issue. Number. 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 Number one. Five. I've got one left, and this is what I'm going to go with, and it's going to surprise people. But, you know, if you look at at all of life on a spectrum, um, the only thing, the only memory I have that tops the dinners um, is the people I met that I otherwise would never have met had I not been in Congress for eight years. And it's not just the names you know, like uh, Chaffetz and Ratcliffe and McCarthy and Elise Stefanik, Kirsten Sinema, and Tulsi. It's it's the Capitol Police officers that you and I would stop and talk to every single night. It's the folks that work in the restaurant, in the cafeteria. It's staffers whose names will never be in print. And, you know, for me, two of those folks that I work with are back in South Carolina with me. With me now, Mary Langston and Sharia. And I never would have met them but for but for being in Congress. So um, it is uh, not nearly as glamorous as people think. I don't know if you went to parties with Hollywood actresses and famous uh, rock stars, but I was never invited. Uh, it, it was It's not the famous people that change your life the most. It's really the names. I know how devoted you were to your staff and how loyal they were to you that's you know that's the memory i'll have when i'm on my deathbed are just the wonderful people that i met that i never would have met um had i not you know run and and been there for eight years amen to that and it's true from the guy who 
used to come empty my garbage every night. I told him I bust my own table and I'd clean my own. And so we had some extra time to chat every night and I've never met that guy. And uh, it was really fun to spend time with him and all the great staff that we had. But number one on my list, and and I'm sure you'd agree with that. I don't know how what you went through in your congressional district, but on my watch, so to speak, when I was a member of Congress in my district, we had five people who were serving in the United States military and lost their lives. And I think the most touching, hardest thing, most difficult thing that you don't want to do, but you do, it was going to those funerals, talking to those families, calling them on their anniversary of their death, you know, their family, um, you know, those types of things touched my heart, still make me well up and, and get emotional because, you know, we do a lot of things in Congress that quite frankly don't mean a hill of beans, but those people put the flag on their chest and on their shoulder and served their country and and were killed in action and devastated those families and, uh, you know, their wives and families and parents and brothers and sisters. That's eight and a half years. That's what I remember the most. And and I, I think we all should because those people really gave their all for our country. And I'm just so grateful we have people like that that will do that time and time again, year after year. Well, that's beautifully said, Jason. And, and, and along with that, those uh, memories, I didn't have to do it five times, but um, what I would always try to remind myself of driving back from whatever house I had gone to to express my condolences is to make sure that that service and sacrifice was worth it. Um, and that we did have control over. By the way, uh, we discharged our responsibilities and held the office that we were at least temporarily part of just to make sure that it was always worth it. And then on the on the other side, on the happy side, the appointments to the service academies and uh, how seriously we took that because you are you are it's an honor, number one, but it is also whatever names you pick are are going to owe the United States five years after their time um, at one of our academies. So. I'm glad you said it. I would have saved that. Um, and I hope w- one day they'll have us back on to the five most difficult days we had in Congress. Because um, I've got uh, I got a list of those, too. So maybe uh, maybe Fox will let us go back on and and give uh, give five more days, the five days that were the biggest challenge for us while while we were there. But it was great to hear your voice, although I talk to you all the time anyway. And, I learned a lot from uh, from your list of five, just as I did for the time we served together, which you are one of my fondest memories. And I, I, I know you know that, but I want to say it anyway. Well, it's an honor and privilege to serve with you. And I do. One of the people that I will always have a, a fond place in my heart and uh, and uh, will miss the experience, but love interacting with you online and, and just chatting with you. So. For those of you at home, we want to thank everybody for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at foxnewspodcast.com. Let us know your top five. You've been listening to Fox Top 5 on the Fox News Podcast Network.
I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.